It's time for Drive-By Theology with Dr. Steve Lawson and Todd Friel. Finally, we get to talk about me. You have totally missed the point <laughs> on everything. 16 of Drive-By Theology, Anthropology, the Study of Man. And while we are going to focus on us, we will miss the point completely if we think it is actually about we. It's all about God what he has done in us and through us. And for us and to us, so that he can be glorified, not us. Acts 17.25, he is not served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. Creation was the bridge to anthropology. We need to start remembering that God didn't create the world out of necessity. Because he needed us. He's just so lonely. And he just, we just want you to talk to him because he won't get through his day. I've heard that sermon. Instead, he created us for his pleasure because he wanted to. That really sets the stage for the study of anthropology, the doctrine of man. We are created for his glory, Todd, and not we for ourselves. But that doesn't mean that we are not a part of this story but we need to remember the roles here. And it's kind of, a, we have to admit, it's a bit of a fine balance because far too many sermons are all about God being the divine butler to serve us, the emperors of our universe. But at the same time, while that's really awful, at the same time, it's not like we're not dust. We're not actual dirt. We're more than that, aren't we? Well, there is a dignity about our humanity in this sense we are created in the image of God, and we are created to have fellowship with God and to serve his purposes. This actually elevates our humanity and gives it a very special place in the created order. And the created order tells us we're more important than animals. Yes. And that we are actual image bearers, and we are created for a purpose, and that purpose doesn't take 40 days. Instead, Ephesians 1, 10 through 11 gives us a hint to that with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heaven, and things on the earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. And so while world events, geopolitical activity, all of that is interesting, it is important to a degree what God is primarily doing, the way that he seeks to be glorified the most, is through the redemptive work of his son by saving sinners. Putting his glory on display in his saving grace. And again, he gets glory. This this tends to cause people to go, whoa, whoa. God gets glory from people going to hell. Yes, yes. it showcases the wrath of God. It showcases what was even his patience to endure them. It showcases his power. It's all about God demonstrating his attributes and putting them on display. Does God get more glory from sending people to hell or redeeming them, sanctifying them, and glorifying them in heaven? I think it's very clear from Scripture that there is a greater glory given to God through the salvation of his people by his grace. So all kinds of ways that God gets glory, but the big kaboom, this is really the way, 
is through the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. The implications for that are monstrously big because if the macro picture is God is seeking to glorify himself through the salvation of sinners, through his Son, what should we be doing? We should be giving praise to God for our salvation. And we should be letting others know that there is a great salvation available to them because if that is what God is desiring to do, it seems to me we should be desiring to work in tandem with him. Absolutely. So a lot of the whiz-bangery, a lot of the activities, which can be fine at church, really maybe should be reconsidered in light of God is desiring to save sinners for his own glory. Yes, and we should be involved in missions around the world. We should be involved in evangelization of people all around us. This is a greater glory given to God. And the Bible says so. He created man to manifest and magnify his own glory. Romans eleven thirty six. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Psalm 8, verse 1. Colossians 1, 16. All things have been created through him and for him. Revelations 4, 11. On and on. We are created so that he can be glorified. Also, Isaiah 26, verse 8, Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your laws, we wait for you. Your name and renown are the desire of our hearts. And in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. What is the chief aim of man? It is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And that little enjoy him forever is Psalm 1611. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forever. We have a tendency, we all memorize that one, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. But the implications for that are quite profound. Are physical things, tennis, golf, food, dates, are those things intrinsically evil? No. But if I enjoy those, I'm not enjoying God like the psalmist said I should be. Well, if you're dating someone who loves God, then the fellowship you will have with that person will certainly uh, enhance your love for God. And if you realize that recreation is recreation so that you can be replenished and restored in your pursuit of holiness, then yes, even these things are for the glory of God. So we don't want to come like, become like the Middle Ages church where they said, almost in a Gnostic way, physical things are bad, marriage is bad, so go to a monastery. That's the supreme spiritual way to live. That was about, that was, that was really just set aside by the reformers who said, hold it, you got a bad view of creation. Exactly. Really, in the Middle Ages, it was an asceticism to withdraw from those things that God created for our pleasure and for our enjoyment. So we can enjoy them. It just needs to be done rightly. That is correct. God has created these things for our pleasure. So how do we, say, hit the links have you ever played golf, by the way? Uh, I think so. Okay. So I go to the golf course. How do I play golf where it's a sin because I'm not enjoying God in my golf? And how do I enjoy God while golfing and do it right? Well, it begins with the beauty of the creation around you that you recognize that the trees, the lake, the green grass has all been created by God, and I may enjoy this. 
I'm playing with my sons as I play golf, and God is allowing me to enjoy uh, fellowship with with them. Uh, it also is helping my mind and my body be restored and replenished so that when I'm off the golf course, I can go back to serving God with greater strength mentally and physically. And if I enjoy golf because I think I deserve it, this is about me. Look at what a great guy I am. I've got a great swing. That's, no. that's, that's, that's biffing it. That is a misuse. Wow, Lord, thank you. You've given me time to just kind of rejuvenate. You've given me the ability to actually bend my elbows still. You've given me the ability to walk this course. Look at how pretty it is. Thanking God as we go glorifies him so we're enjoying God when we enjoy our golf. It goes back to the attribute of the goodness of God. The other aspect of anthropology that you hinted at was that we are imago deers, which I think is the right way to do that with lad, (laughs) that we are image bearers of God, that we have a dignity that is different from the animals. That is correct. We are made in the image of God or in the likeness of God. And the implications of that basically should put PETA out of business. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bible verses, Genesis one twenty six. God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Now, understanding the meaning of those words, image and likeness, can be very helpful and bring out the kind of the kaboom of that. The original audience would have heard, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, more like, let us make man to be like us, and to represent us, like James Brown, let's break it down. Let us make man to be like us. So we're like God, how? Well, there's a resemblance between God and us um, intellectually, that he has given us powers of analysis and rational thinking that can be used in serving God and the purposes he has here upon the earth. He has created us like him that we might have the capacity of relationship with God. He has created us like him that we may be able to worship him and to be entrusted with the stewardship of his creation here on the earth and to carry out his purposes uniquely in ways that animals and rocks and trees and and, and water cannot do. Communication? Yes, we can communicate with God as well as with others on behalf of God. Emotions? Yes, we can love God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. Creativity? Yes, we can use what has been entrusted to us uh, for our pleasure as well as to communicate the greatness of our God. Uh, So artistically, art, music, we see that God has certain attributes. We're a kind of a foggy mirror because we're not we are not God. We're not little gods. We are like him in a sense. Yes, that is absolutely correct. The other part of that phrase and to represent us. How are we supposed to be representing God? Well, we are representing God by serving his purposes here upon the earth, overseeing what he has entrusted to us. And with that, we know there is an accountability back to God for how we have used our time, our talent, our treasure that he has put into our hand. Have we used it for his glory or have we used it simply for ourselves? Has there been any human being 
that has ever been a perfect image bearer of God? Yes, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. One. Yes. That's it. That's it. How was Jesus, and how do we know that Jesus was the perfect image bearer on earth? Well, because he was fully man, yet fully God. He was born of a virgin without a sin nature. He was born under the law and perfectly kept the law of God that you and I break day after day after day. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 calls him the image of God. Colossians 1.15 says he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Just as a slight detour, that word firstborn of all creation, that means that he was God's first out of a long succession of sons? No, what that means is that God has given to Christ all of the privileges and all of the prerogatives that belong to a firstborn son. In other words, the vast estate of all creation has been entrusted to Jesus Christ as though he is the firstborn son who has inherited all of his father's possessions. Do I need to be born first to be esteemed as the firstborn? No, it's not a birth order issue. It's a title issue. So that clears up the whole Jesus was a created being canard. Of course. All right, back to the Bible that we are image bearers, and Jesus is the perfect image bearer because he was fully God, fully man. Hebrews 1.3 He, Jesus, is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. And, of course, God's nature is perfect, so he was the perfect image bearer. That is correct. And if you would like, you could throw a John 14, 9 onto the table that Jesus was the perfect image bearer of God, just like we used to be. Well, God created everything perfectly and perfect, and so he created us perfect. Genesis one thirty one. behold, it was very good. So Adam and Eve, they were our federal head, our representative. They were perfect image bearers for a while. For a while, <laughs> until sin was found in them. So until the noshing of the fruit, which, by the way, I believe was either a Honeycrisp apple or those Harry and David pears. That, that would tempt anybody. Ecclesiastes 7.29, Behold, I have found only this, that God made men upright. So there's Adam and Eve made upright, morally innocent, but, and it didn't take long, they have sought out many devices. We chose sin. And because of Adam and Eve's sin, because Adam was our federal head, a concept that we don't really get very well in the West, we're sinners too. Federal headship. Why are we sinners? Because another guy sinned. Well, because he was our representative. He acted in our place. Um, What he did had direct, profound, even eternal implications for us. Because he was like our president. If the president biffs, the whole nation is biffed on his behalf. Well, or like football, one man jumps offside, the whole team is penalized. Or like a family, if the father is a raging alcoholic, there's disgrace for everybody involved because of federal headship. Adam was our federal head, and because he sinned, we too are sinners. And not just kind of, we're totally depraved, which of course means everything that we do is absolutely totally depraved. No, what it means is is that every part of our humanity is marred by sin from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet. So every we're just we're busted, broken, sinful people. That is correct. 
It's, now, in fact, it's even worse. We're spiritually dead. But that raises a bit of a conundrum, however, and some theologians will wrangle over this. If we are born sinners and God knit us together in our mother's womb, does that mean God created little sinners? It, it comes down to a little debate called creationism versus traducianism. <laughs> What's the difference between these two whoppers? Creationism teaches that at the moment of conception, God immediately creates the souls of every person. There are some Bible verses to support that. Genesis 2-7, The Lord God formed man of dust from the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. So that would, I think we could say, hint that God creates the life. So we could say, and man became a living being. Ecclesiastes 12-7, Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the spirit will return to God who gave it. It, it points toward the idea that when God sparks life, sperm meets egg, that he creates our soul at that point. Yes. And there are some other Bible verses like Isaiah 57, 16, Zechariah 12, 1, Hebrews 12, 9. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the father of spirits and live? So that points toward God is the creator of, of our spirit, which is sinful. And so some people point toward, well, God couldn't possibly create something sinful. And with some some biblical support, came up with a concept called traducianism. <laughs> well, what that word means is that our body and our soul are created together by the natural generation of the sexual union. Because God created everything and rested from his work, so he can't be busy creating souls. So it must just be the natural result of the union of sperm and egg that organically a soul is created at that union. That would be called traducianism. Now, Dr. Lawson, if I am a creationist, creationism view person, and somebody else is a traducianist. Is one of us a heretic? I wouldn't go that far. I don't think that matters of salvation are hinging upon this. Okay, so it's a, it's 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 an interesting one to play around it's with. It's an in-house debate. And it's, so if you disagree on this one, don't go to the mattresses. Die on a different hill. The same might be said of another in-house debate about the constituent parts of man, how we're made up, are we body and soul? Or are we body, soul, and spirit? That's a debate of dichotomy, where body and soul versus trichotomy, body, soul, and spirit. I happen to be a dichotomist. I believe in body and soul. Is somebody a heretic if they're a trichotomist? No, that does not put you out of the kingdom of God. Okay, so we can get along. Yes. We can worship together. Yes. And we don't have to start our own it's denomination. It's an intramural debate. But we need to recognize that we are more than physical beings. We are spiritual beings but not detached from our bodies. We are body and soul. We are human beings, and we've got ourselves a big sin problem. That was Lecture 16 of Drive-By Theology.